Amen. What a beautiful day to be together. So glad you could be here with us for Easter. If you're not here with us, you're at least online with us, and we welcome you, and we thank you for being here. This morning, the message is called Miracle. Miracle. You know, the the definition for a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws. It therefore is considered to be the work of a divine agency, the dictionary says. I put in the word, that would be God. The divine agency. I don't know if that's like a, a government agency or something like that, but this is God's government. God has done a surprising and very welcoming event, which cannot be explained in our logical minds by scientific explanation, but God has done it nonetheless, for he is God. Amen? And so this morning, we're going to look at the miracle of the resurrection. We're going to look at what actually took place, what we should actually be celebrating this morning. See, in our lives today, you could say that God doesn't do a lot of miracles anymore. When we read the Old Testament, we see him, Jesus, among us for those three years, and we see him, you know, healing the sick and, 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 and giving sight to the blind and, and delivering people from the demonic influences that have, have controlled them and, and captivated them. But I'm here this morning to tell you there are more miracles going on now than even back then. They are. God is doing more miracles than we actually realize he's doing. So this morning, I hope that your eyes will be opened and that you will realize with me that God is doing a miracle. I was thinking of uh, an illustration. Uh, how, how do we understand these, these miracles? And, and as you look at the night sky, and if you can see the night sky from where you live, because sometimes it's too much artificial light, but when you see those little pinpricks of light... Those little shining, dazzling stars. You and I have come to realize because scientists have built telescopes and and, and have, have shown us, but each of those tiny little lights against the dark sky represents something much bigger than you can actually see. It's a tiny representation of what actually is out there. If you could get in a rocket ship, if you were rich enough like some of these billionaires to make your own rocket ship and fly out there, you would realize that each one of those lights is a reflection of a huge planet or a huge galaxy, and the entire universe just continues to expand. They cannot find the end of it, and that is what God is like. God has started a work in us. It may be a tiny little flicker, a tiny little flame, a tiny little miracle, a a seed of faith that he's planted within you, but it is going to grow, and it is going to expand, and it is going to continue to give glory to God. I believe that any visible miracle that you see is actually a representation of something much bigger, much bigger, and we're going to prove that this morning by looking into God's word. The fact is... That miracles are happening all the time as God continues to change us, as he continues to change us, as he continues to take out our hard and sinful, selfish hearts and give us new hearts. The Bible tells us that to save us, God would give us a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, way back in the Old Testament, he told the prophet, I'm going to take out their heart of stone and give them a new heart of flesh, a heart that I created for them to have. 
He's also, in, 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 the, in the book of Romans, he's also explained to us that our mind, which is affected by our environments and our background and our upbringing and our heritage and our culture, our mind is actually being renewed. It's being changed. It's not stuck. You're not, you are not a, a product of your past. You are a product of God's work in your life. He is changing your mind. He's giving you a new mindset. He can change your attitudes. Some of us have a lot of change to do in that area. You know, you got attitude. But God can change that. God can change that in you, and his desire is to change that. That your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. This all just represents the fact that he's making us new, that we are a new creation when Christ enters our lives. He's changed our destiny from death from punishment, from separation from him to life, life eternal, life abundant. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. God performs miracles every time he takes a drug addict or a sex addict or a pride addict or a gossip addict or any kind of sin addict like all of us are and changes and transforms them by the miracle of his grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. That's what God does. He does miracles when he changes us, when he makes us new, and when he's in the process of still making us new. Because it is a process. But our Lord Jesus is changing human hearts through stunning acts done daily around the world. You need to hear those headlines. Forget about CNN. Forget about Fox. Listen to this headline. Our God is doing stunning acts every day around the world as he changes us and makes us new. When people who were once filled with hate, filled with darkness, and every kind of evil become new in Christ, become new creatures in Christ, begin to think a different way and act a different way and walk a different way and talk a different way, that is a miracle. As the Holy Spirit changes us and the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, just to name a few. From Galatians, as those things begin to develop in your life, to replace all those sinful acts of darkness... These are miracles, and every bit as miraculous as Jesus changing water into wine for one little wedding. You realize that? When your life is changed, when you begin to become more like Christ, it's a bigger miracle than changing water into wine for one day. Because once that wedding was over and once they had gone home, it was over. But you continue on. You continue to grow. You continue to become more like Christ. So God's act of changing you is a bigger miracle than one physical act miracle. Like changing water into wine. Or even the falling of Jericho's walls. They marched around Jericho and they blew their trumpets. And finally those walls came crashing down. But guess what? That's history. It was important back then. But how is that important to us? It's not. Other than the fact that God can do the impossible. God can do the impossible. Whatever walls you've built up in resistance against him can come crashing down. God's miracles in the spiritual are greater than the miracles in the physical. Even the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. These are actually small things compared to what he is doing in the world today. 
as he changes and transforms us. Now you're struggling with this. I can tell by the look on some of your faces. You say, oh, you're getting a little, you know, you're exaggerating a little bit. That's a bit of an overstatement. I don't think so. I think that because the greatest physical miracles actually come and go. They're temporary. When God raised Lazarus from the dead, guess what? Lazarus died again. His physical body eventually wore out and he was laid to rest. He was with God in glory and the spirit, but his physical body was over. When he fed the 5,000, the next day they were hungry again. It was temporary. Your miracle is permanent. Your miracle is eternal. It goes on forever and ever and ever. Your life in God goes on forever. It's a greater miracle. And we've got to get our minds off the physical. I know we're very tactile. We're very touchy people. We're created in God's creation to be that way. But God has called us in Christ by his spirit to live according to the spirit, not according to the flesh, the things we can see and feel and touch. God is at work doing greater and greater miracles. So the greater miracle, greater than feeding 5,000 from a couple of loaves and fishes, greater than even raising Lazarus from the dead, is the miracle of salvation. Because it cost God his life. It cost him his life. He sent his son to die to bring you the miracle of salvation. That's why it's a greater miracle. Jesus didn't die so he could make bread and fish multiply. He didn't die so he could, you know, bring, bring water into wine. He didn't die for any of those things to give someone their physical sight. He died to bring you life. And that is an eternal miracle that goes on forever and ever and ever. He gave everything for that one miracle, which is multiplied over and over again in our lives. So one of the verses that I've memorized and, and, and you should memorize too is, is from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know it? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So if anyone is in Christ, you've been made new again. You're a miracle. The only explanation of this is no less than a miracle. The fact that you can be made new again. New again. When, he talked to, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus about this, he said, you know, you, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus, he was a smart man. He was like, um, what? How does that work? You must be born again. This is the miracle of salvation. This is the miracle. The next verse in 2 Corinthians 5.18 is, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God brought Christ to bring us to himself. Miracles are things which God does that cannot be explained by natural or scientific laws or by human action either. Every true salvation is by definition a miracle. A miracle. Now, I'm going to challenge you for a minute. If you know you've received this miracle, stand up. If you have received salvation through Jesus Christ, stand up. If you haven't, stay seated. It's okay. No shame. Sit back down again. Look around. 
That's a lot of miracles in this room. That was a lot of movement. There was a lot of people standing because God has done a miracle for you, just like he did for Mike. When Mike shared his testimony with us, that's a miracle. When a a cocaine addict and a self-addict can can be freed, when a marriage can be restored after three years of, of brokenness, those are miracles. And God is doing those every day around the world and even here this morning. What we were is not what we are and is not what we're going to be. We use this illustration of a a caterpillar going into the cocoon, making the chrysalis, but I'm not sure we, we really even understand what takes place in that little simple bug, little insect. I, I, I was reading this week because I'm like, I'm not sure I remember from my science class. How does a caterpillar turn into a butterfly? To become a butterfly, the scientific journal says, a caterpillar must first digest itself inside the chrysalis. What? <laughs> but there are certain cells that begin to be activated. The cells that are going to make the legs start to collect in that soup. If you cut open the chrysalis, it would drip out like gooey, gummy yuckiness. But if you leave it, there's a miracle taking place, right? A miracle of nature, a miracle that God placed in nature to help us to understand. How can I, a yucky old caterpillar, a person who's sinful and selfish and full of all kinds of junk. How could I become a beautiful butterfly? Well, look at nature. Look at that ugly old caterpillar. Crawling around, just eating, munching on leaves. And curls himself up inside that chrysalis. Digests himself into a goo. And then, miraculously, as time goes on, is formed into this beautiful butterfly. This is God's creation to help us to understand how can a sinner become sinless in Christ? So for us, the, the, the cocoon could represent Christ. We've got to climb into Christ. We've got to let Christ be our, our, our everything. And as he does that, he changes us and he begins making us new again. My point is that God is doing miracles still on the earth today. What happens is we lack the vision and the eternal perspective to see them. We're, we're very tactile. We want to we experience things. We want to touch them. We want to be able to prove them. But God is doing miracles every day. I'm going to say this a few times in the next few minutes. Forgiveness is God's greatest miracle it is his greatest miracle and jesus is the one who made it possible jesus made it possible by going to the cross by taking our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven and forgiveness is his greatest miracle every time jesus forgives sin he performs the greatest of miracles please grasp that or you're going to be distracted by the physical life around us, the circumstances around us. Grasp this truth. If you want to turn in your Bibles, there's a blue Bible in your pew if you don't have one or if you don't want to look it up on your phone. On page 991, which is the Gospel of Mark, 
I want to read to you about a miracle that Jesus performed. Mark has it here early in the, in the gospel. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And then we'll discuss and, and, and see the truth of this, how important forgiveness is, and how much greater forgiveness is than any physical miracle. Now imagine yourself, the paralyzed man who is brought before Jesus. I'll read this to you. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered, that so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men bringing with him a paralytic, paralytic, we don't use that word so much anymore, a paralyzed person, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof just above Jesus in the house and after digging through it they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on and when Jesus saw his faith he said to the paralyzed man what does it say there son your sins are forgiven now If you were that paralyzed man, that wasn't what you came there for, was it? Now, the story's not over, but odd. He can see I'm paralyzed. He can see I've been carried here on a mat. He can see that my my legs and my legs don't work. I haven't. What is Jesus doing? If we stopped the story right there, it would be a great disappointment, but the story doesn't stop there. Jesus starts with the most important thing and then moves down the line to the other things that are important as well. I'll say that again. Jesus starts with the most important thing. Son, your sins are forgiven. And then moves down the line to the other things that are important as well. It's not that they're not important, but for Jesus, the most important thing is that your sins will be forgiven. The greatest miracle is that your sins have been forgiven through what Jesus did on the cross. All of them. Every one of them, every dark and terrible one can miraculously be forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law will continue to read here. They were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they're just thinking that, so Jesus reads their thoughts. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. That should make us tremble. (laughs) Whenever you're not saying something or you're really thinking it, guess who can read it? Jesus. That's why our thoughts are important. That's another sermon. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you would know that the Son of Man, which is t- title for Christ, that, that, that Christ himself has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, 
get up. Take your mat and go home. Next verse, the miracle happens. He got up. He took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. But what they saw was less important than what Jesus said at first. Let that sink in. Your sins are forgiven, son or daughter. That is the most important thing. And God knows. God knows. As Jesus went through this, as he said these words, and as he performed this miracle, he knew that throughout the world, in every corner where people have inhabited it, there are broken lives. There are things that have paralyzed us. There are things that have hurt us and permanently in our minds. We think we are doomed. This is what life is like because of my background, because of my sin, because of my mistakes, because of my stupidness, because of my stubbornness. It could be your marriage that fell apart. It could be your job that you just absolutely hate or that you've lost. It could be your children that break your heart on a regular basis from the decisions that they make. Or it could be like this man. It could be your health. You're dealing right now with a health issue which, which could end your life. This man obviously wanted his physical problems to be dealt with, but Jesus gave the most important thing, his attention first. And I believe this is still true. Jesus wants you to pay attention to forgiveness, your need for it, and his provision of it. Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive me because it puts us then in the right relationship with God first so that the important stuff like being healed comes next. He will take care of all the things in our lives in his perfect timing, in his perfect wisdom. But today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for forgiveness because Jesus rose again from the, from the grave victorious. And I pray that those who have not received this message, who are under the sound of my voice, would hear this loud and clear. Jesus wants to forgive you. He died so he could forgive you. Back in, in Mark, the gospel, the teachers were offended by this, that he said this, that he was, he was acting as God. That's because he is God, and the resurrection proves that he is God. They didn't get it yet. Some of them got it later, praise God. The answer is obvious. It's easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. It's easy to say those words than it is to say, get up and walk, right? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no way at that very moment 
to prove that they've actually been forgiven. So it's something easy to say. You need faith to believe that your sins are forgiven. As, as Mike was sharing his testimony, as he went away from there, he didn't feel anything different until he went to try to get some coffee. He started to feel a weight was lifted from him. He started to feel like there was no longer any gravity. You know, something began to change. But, but he didn't know at the moment when he prayed that prayer that anything had changed. As life went on in the weeks and months to come, even his wife, who was not very pleased with him, began to see change, began to notice that a miracle had happened. Something had changed in this man, something that, that made me able to trust him again. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. If you say, get up to someone who's paralyzed, a miracle won't occur unless you actually see that person get up. So everybody will either see the miracle or they won't see it happen. And we all want to see miracles. But what does Jesus want us to know? Jesus says it. But I want you to know, in verse 9, I want you to know that your sins are forgiven. The Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. So he tells them, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up, walked out in full sight of them. This amazed everyone. And they said, I've never seen anything like this. Though the people were amazed by the physical healing, many of them missed the point that Jesus was trying to make about the greatest miracle that he could give to anyone, the forgiveness of sins, because you don't deserve it. This man, as far as we know, hadn't even asked for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus just saw him, recognized his need, and granted him the forgiveness. So the greatest miracle is forgiveness. Jesus performed the lesser miracle of the physical healing to actually authenticate the greater miracle. If you can believe that Jesus can have a, a paralyzed man stand up and walk, then you've got to believe that he can forgive sins. He used his miracles to authenticate the truth of the spiritual because it's not always obvious what is happening in the spiritual. We're not as tuned into the spiritual. We're much more fleshy than that. We're much more tactile, much more looking for a sign in this world, in this way, in, in, in something that makes sense to me. But God is working beyond that. God is greater than that. Think of the stars, those little tiny, tiny lights in the sky. They represent whole planets, whole galaxies. They're much greater than what you can see. This is why faith is necessary. We need faith to believe that God is who he says he is and that he does always what he says he will do. So the greatest miracle in Mark 2 was Jesus forgiving that man's sins. And we all focus on the fact that he got up and walked away. We're funny that way. Jesus performed that miracle to authenticate the truth of forgiveness. You see, we're, we're physical and spiritual beings. 
God created us with a body, soul, and spirit. Every human is born with a body, soul, and spirit. So there is a spiritual side of us, but we don't, we don't pay much attention to that. Sometimes people do pay attention to it, but then they follow the wrong direction, right? God has come to give us the way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And he, in the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life is the greatest miracle. And I believe that the miracle can be seen in the changed lives of God's people. That is how it works. He changes lives. Because God's people have hope when things are hopeless. God's people have peace when there should not be peace, when it doesn't make sense, Scripture says. Beyond understanding. God's people are loving even though they have not been treated lovingly. They even love their enemies when they follow the Spirit, when they live according to the Spirit. God's people are forgiving. God's people help the hurting. They help the helpless. God's people are selfless, not selfish. They're not perfect. They're in process. They're, they're that butterfly in the cocoon. They're being shaped. But they are allowing God's spirit to work on them by faith. And every day, they are going from glory to glory. They are growing in their faith. They are maturing in their faith. So that they can reflect Christ in the world today. This is why he saved us. To bring him glory. As our lives are changed, as we walk by faith, as we continue to develop in our walk with God, day by day, our relationship with Jesus deepens. Goes deeper. Some of you have, like me, walked with God for decades, and it gets deeper all the time. It's not boring. It's more exciting. More and more of God is, is, is revealed as we walk with him. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you could, over to Luke. Luke is the book right after Mark. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 20, as we get ready to close. Jesus sent out his disciples. He worked with them. He mentored them. They listened to his teaching. They saw his miracles. And then at some point in his ministry, as he was going along the way, as he thought that they were ready, he sent them out. That's what, that's what Luke chapter 10 is about. He sends out his 72 disciples. There's a lot more than just the 12, so there were 72. He sent them out, and he gave them authority. And when they came back, here's the thing that's interesting. They came back in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Because I've given you that authority. But look at verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, which is a pretty amazing thing, right? But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. First things first. First things first. Is your name written in heaven. That's a code for salvation, that you've received the grace of God, that you've allowed Jesus to come and to wash you and to cleanse you and to make you his own child. You see, 
If we don't do that first, none of the rest matters. None of the rest matters. First place is that you have been forgiven and God invites you into a relationship with him. A relationship with him that changes the trajectory of your life, changes the direction. You won't be perfect. You'll be being perfected little by little. Sanctified is the fancy word for it. But God has a desire to bring more and more people to himself through the forgiveness of their sins. It's the only way to God. That's why we say Jesus is the only way. Because of what he did, he opened up the only way to God. So, as we close, ask yourself, have you experienced God's greatest miracle? Have you been forgiven? Are you walking in new life? Are you growing? Are you, are you changing? Are you maturing? Or are you no different than you were a decade ago? Or five years ago? Or two years ago? If not, let's pray. Let's pray. We just want to pause and pray. I want us to close our eyes. Because I'm going to ask you, if you would, to raise your hand. So sometimes we feel shame or we feel like we're put on the spot. I don't want you to feel that way. So we're all going to close our eyes. Once we get in place up here, we'll close our eyes up on the stage as well. But I want you to raise your hand because I, we want to give you something. I want to give you this, this Bible study material. I want you to really delve into this because this is the most important thing and the number one thing that you need to know. If you never step foot in a church again, it doesn't matter. If you leave knowing this... This is why Jesus came. He came to forgive you. So I want you to understand forgiveness. So I put together a little packet. It looks like this. It says forgiveness. It's God's greatest gift. And inside of it, there's Bible verses and questions that help you to understand. And there's also a book that's available that you can go even deeper into this. But I don't want you to leave not knowing the forgiveness of God. So with our eyes closed... Would you be willing to raise your hand just slightly and we will bring you one of these, these packets this morning. But let's pray. If any time during this prayer you want to raise your hand, one of our elders will bring you the book. But Lord God, we thank you for this gift that Jesus only could bring us. The forgiveness of our sins. A changed life. A new life, you tell us. An eternal life with you. I pray for everyone who does understand and has accepted that and everyone who doesn't understand and is yet to accept that. By the work of your spirit, continue to draw them to yourself through your grace and mercy, through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we give you our attention. When we pray and we close our eyes, it's because we don't want to be distracted. But Lord, I know there are some here this morning who have never felt clean, forgiven. They feel guilt. They feel shame. They feel heavy in their soul. 
and you want to give them the gift of your son Jesus and the grace and the forgiveness that he won for them on Calvary. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You can't lose. You can't lose with God because he has already won the battle for you. God, we thank you for your victory in Jesus. We pray that you would cement this truth into our hearts. The most important thing, the greatest miracle you've ever done is forgive us of our sins and give us new life. And because you live, we live. Because you are good and loving and kind, we can be good and loving and kind. We can be changed. So God, we just praise you for this moment, this holy moment that we share together. May you help us to receive your miracle today. Forgiveness in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.